open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Movie Club. Uh, Lucas Nord here. Uh, movie reviewer here, Cole Lang. And, Cole, um, I know that we've been discussing how we were going to talk about a movie on this episode ever since we started recording way back um, 30 seconds ago. And one thing that um, one thing that I would personally like to keep going with the podcast is nothing but true information. You know, it's obviously easy to have a slip of the tongue here and there, say the wrong name here or the wrong year there. You know, I know I've done it before, especially talking about horror movies back during October. I'll uh, I'll listen to an episode from maybe the Hellraiser series and I'll just realize, oh, you know, that movie didn't come out in 77, it came out in 79, and um, we actually had a pretty big one right when we started our Catcher in the Rye series, and like I said, I just, corrections and omissions, you know what I mean? Yeah, yep. Um, so, you mentioned that uh, J.D. Salinger, obviously the Catcher in the Rye was uh, his life's work, and he wanted to himself play Holden Caulfield in a movie. And, you know, he just, you said that he never got around to it. And that is true. But what she didn't mention was the fact that um, they did end up adapting a movie from Catcher in the Rye very loosely starring his son. And it's called Captain America. Um, Oh. I'm not sure if you gathered that, but of course, you know, Matt Salinger carried the torch for him. Um, I gotta say, the movie was not at all similar to the book, but, um, we watched it, that's for sure. We did, and we're gonna give you that review along with, uh, I I guess we'll do a book review. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we'll also be talking about The Catcher in the Rye today, I guess. Yeah, what did you, what did you think of the movie? Oh man, I gotta tell you what. I suppose this is probably a little more appropriate uh, conversation to get into later, but since we are talking about it up top here, all I'm going to say is uh, IMDb 3.2, seriously? I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch, I think. It it was, uh, the whole time I was watching it, I thought it was like a trauma film, uh, but like (laughs) G-rated. Not a single dull moment. No. Uh, Bernie! Bernie! <laughs> and when he uh, he pulls that truck or the vehicle switcheroo move on people twice. Oh, pull over. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. And then he just... <laughs> he's so quick that he's around to the driver's side before they even know it. And then he just tears off. Of course. He's Captain America. He's quick yes. on his feet. Yep, he he landed about one out of every five hits when he threw that shield, too, so you could tell he was a little rusty. Um, do, you, do you know what my favorite uh, part of his costume was? The fake ears? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I mean, why? Uh... Well, I think it's because it took me so long to realize that he had fake ears. Oh, no. Uh, I'm saying why fake ears. I completely understand oh. why they're your favorite part. Um, I don't know. It looks like his suit is latex, so maybe it scrunched up his ears when he had that oh my God. thing on. But, yeah. Um, we're not joking here, folks. If you want to... Just go ahead and Google uh, Captain America 1990, and not only will you see the spawn of J.D. Salinger, but you'll also see the fake ears on the Captain America suit. And Um, I'm not going to lie, Matt Salinger, he's kind of a hunk. He is kind of a hunk, not exactly. I mean, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to badmouth the guy here, but you know, getting used to that, um, Chris Evans guy, is that his name? I mean, you know, it just goes to show how, uh, how Hollywood used to be and how it is. They need to have these people chiseled from stone these days, and I won't exactly say Matt Salinger was, but not a bad looking guy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah, and, um, if you guys are gonna watch the movie 
Um, it's on YouTube Luke, for free. It is on YouTube for free. And uh, Lucas, would you care if I give like a quick rundown of the plot? Because it is just insane. Oh, uh, it's insane. And you know what? Please, just give everyone a brief plot summary. Because to be honest, I'm not sure if I understood what was going on the entire time. Super brief. Uh, you, you know, whatever. Steve Rogers... He gets nominated for this government program. One out of 600. One out of 600, you know, an honor, right? Yep. And he gets the process done, whatever. And then he gets sent on his first mission, his first and only mission. I don't even think they did like a training montage or anything to show oh, he how strong he is. Nope, he's Captain America. Yep. Uh, and so... Yeah, he needs to take down Red Skull, this uh, poor Italian boy, you know, that just got messed up by the mob and then uh, some government experiments by the Nazis. And then, uh, so uh, Captain America, he has to infiltrate the, the place. He jumps out of the helicopter, and before he does this, he says, Bernie! And the whole time I thought it was Bernice, but no, it was Bernie. Nope, Uh, just Bernie. Yeah, and this was his girlfriend that got like a whole 30 seconds of screen time. I didn't remember her. (laughs) No. (sighs) But yeah, he jumps out of that thing, he infiltrates the compound, and well, he gets strapped to a rocket... <laughs> and then he oh. gets <laughs> he gets launched uh, to DC because the rockets aim to DC, but he kicks it so it misses it, and he lands in Alaska. And <sighs> lest we forget, um, the future president Kimball being <laughs> at the site and being so quick with that camera because that rocket went by pretty quick. But not only <laughs> did he manage to get a picture at all. He got a perfect picture of Captain America's face that he recognized 80 years later when he was president. Yep, and it was at hypersonic speed, but... Yes, it was. uh, Quick on the draw. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that's where the plot got so crazy, because it goes on to this montage of, like, this kid growing up and then eventually becomes president. Uh... Through newspapers, you know, the spirally thingy. Oh, it's uh, incredible. Yep, and then so Captain America, he crash lands into Alaska. And, uh, well, he eventually gets unfrozen in, like, the modern day, I think. Which would yep. have been 1990-something. Yeah, 1990. So. Um, so he starts making his way back to America because, you know, he's got to go back to his home. And then he gets picked up by this conspiracy theorist who just so happens to be the president's friend. And yeah, he manages to find him for some reason out in the middle of nowhere. He knew right where to drive. <laughs> As Captain America is being hunted down by Red Skull's Nazi friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. And then the president is kidnapped and then Captain America has to save him. And that's pretty much the whole plot. Man. And hey, I mean, you got a concise there, but this movie starts and it does not stop. I literally finished it 20 minutes ago um, and started watching it last night before I just had to tap out halfway through to go to bed. But man, yep. you you just brought so many things up there that I completely forgot, even though I, it's a very exciting movie. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's our, well, that's our Bad Apple movie club uh summary um and i I think it's time to dive into the review which is it's gonna be there's lots to break down so i'm excited to discuss the real reason everyone is here for our discussion of jd salinger's 1951 classic the catcher in the rye following the um the chronicles of a 16-year-old jaded boy named Holden Caulfield as he tries to make his way through life 
um, you know, ducking and dodging all the phonies and the bastards. And, you know, honestly, I think everyone can agree when I say that it's easier said than done. Yeah. Yep, it is, uh, the adult world is full of horrors, you know, every day I would step outside, I try to make it to my car, um, and then I go to work, and that's the scariest thing. Uh, yeah, the, the idea that you have to work for a living, that yep. is truly horrific. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, people kind of should know the drill by now. This is our, like, fourth or fifth discussion episode. We're kind of, we're, we're cracking a few bottle caps off and, you know, kicking off our shoes for these episodes. I mean, as you could tell, because we, we talked about a, you know, 90s superhero movie for the first 10 minutes. So you should kind of <laughs> get that by now, but. Yeah. But was there anything specific that you wanted to get the ball rolling with here, Cole? I know that you said that you have a lot to discuss for this episode, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I guess the first thing I want to discuss is, well, there's a lot of themes of not accepting growing up um, and just kind of struggling with that idea of growing up, right? And yeah, there was... A lot of instances where Holden literally is getting smacked in the face by the world. And, you know, the adult world is very scary. And I, I don't know. I, I guess the best way I want to discuss this initially is just, was there any, like, growing pains that you saw Holden go through that you're like, huh, that's kind of familiar? Because we didn't read this as you know, adolescence, we're kind of reading this as, uh, mature men, the, uh, well, men, yeah, full grown men. Yes. Um, I will say that I've, I I said it a hundred times in the actual series that I really didn't understand exactly what the book was about until we talked through the whole thing and broke it down bit by bit. Yeah. But I can completely agree in a few facets. Like, uh, I remember particularly, and this is going to get a little bit personal, but I remember particularly in the months leading up to the end of high school, um, even though I may not have been the biggest fan of high school at the time, I, uh, I do vividly remember being horrified at the thought of, you know, I've been coming to this same building you know, whatever, nine months out of the year for as long as I can remember. And at the end of the month, that's just going to completely end. And then I guess I'm just going to fall over the cliff and see where I land or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I was saying, I mean, I can't completely relate to too much, but I just remember the weeks leading up to it thinking, you know, where am I going to be even a month from now? Because... I mean, I sure as hell won't be showing up when that first bell rings, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a huge step. I mean, you should have, you know, instead of a rye field, you probably felt like you're running through a cornfield, right? Um, Because we have lots of those. Oh, uh, yes. Like running through a cornfield. I uh, I could completely see myself running through a cornfield back in those days. Metaphorically, of course, I didn't leave the house back in high school. <laughs> um, and yeah, you you did. So, you know, we came from a smaller school and, you know, you said like, oh, as long as you can remember, you spent like nine months out of the year at this school. We went through a K through 12 school all under one building and i didn't really know this at the time but that is a pretty crazy uh thing you don't really get that too often yeah Uh, i was discussing it with someone just uh just earlier this week i think it was i was telling them you know graduating class of this many you know graduated out of there that many people and they were i think they were specifically asking me you know well you know what about what about, like, your actual high school building? And I was like, we didn't have an actual high school building because we were a floor up from the, you know, 
K through six or whatever. Like <laughs> it was just one big building. We had yeah. a second floor, if that's what you're asking. Oh, oh, you meant we're moving on up? Of course. Yeah, yeah right, we, right, right. We, we yep. did that. Yeah, we yeah. definitely did that. That's uh, that's about what I got though. Did you have any particular strong feelings reading through any part of this book? Growing up, hmm. I don't. Did you uh, so, did you like to? Did you like to play a little softball and, uh, you know, read off your catcher's mitt in the outfield or anything like that? Because that could be kind of fun. Well, when I was and younger... And it would be very specific. Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I'd pick dandelions in the field sometimes. and I might oh. have missed a few balls. You told uh, us about that on the first episode of this series, I believe. And you know what? Like I said then, I'm going to say it again. You just got to do what you got to do. Dandelions yeah. are nice. Yeah, um, but as far as growing up, I, I mean, I was on a dead set path. I mean, I enlisted in my junior year yes. of high school, like the summer after that. Um, I That gave me a sense of security, but... I mean, I was still pretty scared. I knew that I was going to be working on airplanes, and that's, like, insane for, like, an 18-year-old to do. I definitely struggled with that, and, like, when I first got to basic, um, I'm going to admit it right here. Um, Uh I I missed my parents a lot. I missed my family. Oh, yeah, Um, that's ridiculous. Wow. Who who would ever miss the people they grew up with that, you know, raised them from childhood? That's ridiculous, Cole. We're going to have to cut that. Yep. Yep. uh, Because I went to basic, man. Tried to play cool, but I knew deep down that uh, it was pretty hard, and I had to grow up, like, really fast. They put me on the bus, and they said, all right, uh, big boy pants, uh, put them they on. Put you, they put you on the bus and threw you in that room with the, like, uh, pepper spray or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, yep. The stuff that made your nose drip and your eyes water. Yuck. As far as, like, growing up, I, I guess... I actually found, like, a lot of the things that Holden went through, like, really relatable. Um, I could see not, that. Not, like, specific instances he went through, but just kind right. of... Because he is radical in the ways he thinks about, um, like, other people and society. But at the same time, he's not really wrong and I guess that's like where I really related with him. One of the biggest ones, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, but so like one one of the main themes of this is like Holden, he's pretty, he's pretty isolated. Uh, he doesn't really have anybody. He, you know, tries to connect with girls. Well, then he finds out that they're not the solution. Um, they don't make him feel unlonely I guess or right. you know accompanied and like his parents seem to be pretty distant he can't connect with anyone else in the story because they're just straight up unlikable when he was like wandering through New York and just kind of you know hearing everybody laugh and he's in this big city where you should feel like so close to people I definitely felt that on my first trip to uh, Paris. Well, my only trip, but it was like my mm. first... Uh, no, we could call it your first trip. You're going back. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, like, it, it was my first like really big solo trip, and it was really fun. Um, but so many instances there just really... Um, made me relate to what Holden was talking about with that stuff. I mean, I, I went there, it was just me, and it's the city of love, and I'm just, like, walking ah. around, and I'm like, uh, the the peanut sad music is playing in yeah, the background, right. and uh, sometimes, but, um, yeah, like, I, I definitely, the setting of this, like, being in New York, it just... I definitely 
got that same feeling when I was in Paris. Like, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It wasn't just, I mean, it, it wasn't exactly the same as going with a big old group of people or even particularly maybe knowing the specific spots to go to is kind of what I, what I'm hearing here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Still a good time though. Probably had a better time than Holden did in New York. Yeah, I, I wasn't uh, falling asleep on benches. I did have a hostel, which ah. was nice. Uh, which I don't know, man. the the, ho- the hostels are fun, but this one in particular was like uh, painted to be like a, a hip, fancy hostel that college kids go to, and I got some ah. phony. I got some phony vibes from it. Oh, uh, hey. I completely believe it. The touristy spot, you know what I mean? Yeah, yep. And uh, there's one story that just kind of made me, uh, well, believe that this place was phony. But I was, I was just hanging out in the bar area, and I leave my drink on the table, whatever, you know. And I go to get a drink from the bar, and then. Oh, uh, there's three bros, and they Uh-oh. say, "Oh, I'm gonna take his table because he's low. He's well, he's uh, by himself, and we think uh, we can just take advantage of him." And I was like, "You guys are, you guys suck." And you heard them say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Look at this guy." He's, yeah, uh, they were sitting two feet behind you talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. touching back on that, actually, though, in all seriousness, here I. Um, do think it's kind of interesting to note, once again, the similarities between this and crime and punishment being your isolated mind surrounded by people. And you're t- they're even talking to people the entire time. Holden, you know, he has a lot of interactions with people. Raskolnikov does. And, you know, it just goes to show that you might think that you know, the populated area where you walk outside and you can see a thousand people from your front door, you know, that might be the answer to your problem because, of course, it wouldn't be going to a cabin in the woods all by yourself, but you kind of just learn that uh, it's all clearly personal, you know what I mean? It's like, it makes me think of the people that think that even though they're completely miserable, winning the lottery would fix everything just because... Mm. You know, what can't money fix? But then once you actually got it, I've never won the lottery before, so I can't personally speak. But, you know, people just kind of, I think they don't look inside themselves enough sometimes to try to figure out where a problem is coming from. And they want to say, well, of course, it's because I've been cooped up in the house by myself all weekend or because, you know, I was late on rent this month. Like, uh, those are, I mean, they can all add up. But, um, of course, a lot of the personal issues, even if you lived a completely carefree life, come straight from the inside of the mind. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't have said it better, especially for Holden himself, because when we look at him, he's obviously very lonely. Um, well, how does he try to solve that? He tries to connect with people, but... The people that, you know, probably care about him the most, he kind of pushes away. You know, he's repulsive uh, when he acts or when he's like near them. And Self-sabotage. Exactly. Like he, he um, uh, granted there are underlying problems with Holden, uh, but I definitely think his isolation is his way of like dealing with this uh with his problems and his uh ghosts of the past yes Uh, of course that being the literal ghost of his uh youngest brother ali taken by leukemia at an unfortunate age i mean any age is unfortunate with something like that but he was like seven or eight or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah so we got ali and then we got Phoebe, who's very much alive and one of the best, well, the best character in this that we see in Almost the with. only good one. Yep. yep. Uh, pure and uh, just the, the person that Holden needed to talk to this whole time because 
it's kind of weird because Holden, he never wants to go home. Uh, you'd think he would want to maybe talk to his mom or dad, but that is just a huge no-no for him. Uh, right. The only time he's actually got the opportunity to talk to his mom is when he sneaks into his own house uh, when she's not around, and he lights up a cigarette with old Phoebe, and then uh, he puts it out as soon as he hears her coming in, and he hides the whole time and doesn't... Uh, I mean, clearly he didn't want to talk to her before... You know, she got the call that he got kicked out of old Pensy on Wednesday, and, you know, the book ends on Sunday or Monday night or something like that, but uh, mm-hmm. she probably wouldn't have done it much good anyway, because you have an interesting picture painted of, of course, once again, these, uh, at least this one grief-stricken parent, I can't remember much said about the dad, but uh, Holden said she was never quite the same after Allie died, which, of course... Something like that would take a horrific emotional toll on anyone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, like it's your own child. That is, right. um, that is just probably one of the worst things anyone can go through. And it kind of makes me think of once again um, Holden's literal isolation being paired with his mental isolation in the sense that um, there could probably be a lot to be gained from trying to discuss things, how you feel with your parents, of course the people closest to him, but he's just so incapable of really, I don't know about saying what he's thinking, but he's just a bit scatterbrained through the whole thing, and um, I don't know, it's just, there's obviously, like we were saying, there's a lot to take in with this book. Yeah, I'll say this, just like any teenager, especially for like, I don't want to say it's harder for guys to communicate their feelings, but it's more... Um, There's like, technically a stigma. Yeah, there there is that stigma, I think. I think it's, it isn't crazy to say, say that. Um, but exactly, like, it's, it's hard for Holden to communicate his feelings. Uh, and he just you know, resorts to isolation and all these other things that haven't been working uh, and being just, you know, repulsive and all these other things in the way he communicates with people. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know. I've been trying to get better at communicating my feelings. And honestly, I think it works out a lot better. It's not good to hold uh things in um it's just not good for you you might uh sleep on a bench later on down the road and have like a mental breakdown that's just Just how it goes you you know what i mean but once again uh clearly easier said than done to discuss things like that you know especially when you're in such a mentally perilous um situation like he is through the entire book yeah, and thankfully he does have Phoebe. Uh, yeah, the finally... one person. Yeah, um, because like we said, he barely discusses his dad. I literally can't remember like one part of him being discussed. And then we briefly meet the mom and his brother, who's a much better uh, book writer or whatever than a movie writer is unfortunately over in Hollywood selling himself to the man and we don't even we don't know anything about DB outside of just his little description that we get pretty much right in the beginning of the book yeah yeah he's definitely a, a fan of DB um, his dad is just basically there to tell him go to school uh maybe go down a path like me where I'm a lawyer and successful, um, which high expectations. Know, yeah. There's, there isn't a, that isn't a reality for everybody. Right. Um, but staying on the topic of Phoebe, what did you think of that final carousel ride with him watching Phoebe as she's uh, reaching for the gold ring and uh, Holden's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Uh, you got to let kids do what they got to do. I'm going to do a little, uh, I'm going to try to wax philosophy here. Um, and we already discussed, you know, uh, 
these specific ideas. But now that we don't really have a outline to stick to, I will say that that final carousel ride is very interesting because obviously leading up to the entire end of the book, Holden is obsessed with clinging to childhood, even though he's also, like we said, trying to chip into the adult world. He wants to get a drink at every place he goes to. He wants to, well, he wants to invite the cab drivers out. You know, he gets the prostitute for no apparent reason at all. But as he's growing and changing, he's mentioning how in the museum, the same wax figure has been in the same spot for the last 20 years. And she's looked the same exact every single time. And that's the nice thing about the museum is you change, but nothing else does. And I suppose, like Holden was saying with Phoebe going around the carousel ride, uh, the music on that never changes either. So even though he himself didn't get up on there, he still got to witness um, maybe a small part of his own childhood in hearing the music and just looking at the childlike grandeur of spinning around on a big porcelain horse or ceramic or whatever. (laughs) It's very lovely. Yeah, it was nice. And then Um, he starts crying. Yeah. He probably needed that cry. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it is nice to have a good cry. You you heard it here. Um, (laughs) But... Yeah, like, uh, I thought, so a lot of people will read this, and we've said it, it's a book about nothing, but if you look into it, there's a lot. (laughs) Uh, It's a book about nothing. (laughs) That's going to be our pitch to uh, Scholastic or something. Perfect. Uh, Yep. Uh, But that was one of the best parts of the book because Holden he's I think he's slowly accepting like growing up and facing the reality that it's part of life and it's actually a beautiful process too especially with Phoebe and of course it's easy to you know sit there and say well of course, you got to grow up. You know, why fight it? Uh, not to get too morbid here, but, you know, people fear death, even though it's completely inevitable. But, you know, you kind of sit there, and like I was saying, you might kind of think, well, what's this kid getting in such a big worry about? You know, he's going to grow up one way or the other. He's uh, only 16 at this point in the book, so he's still got a few years before he's out of the house, but. He's clearly been thinking about all these things, maybe ever since Allie died, maybe since before then. He seems like he could have potentially been kind of uh, naturally cynical just based on some of the things he said about his childhood and everything like that. Yeah. Even. But, um, but yeah, I don't know, man. You know, it's easier said than done. You got to grow up, but uh, nobody said you got to like it. Yeah, it's... It's a process that, well, it's literally like getting kicked out of the nest, right? Yeah. Um, but it is something you just have to learn. Uh, but it's also hard with Holden because he has a lot of like psychiatric issues going on. Maybe some possible PTSD from... Uh, Allie's death and that was like another thing I wanted to bring up is like um, how well do you think this captured like mental health and uh, because in the 1950s you know mental health has lots of stigmas about it we've talked about it with uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest yep Um, but I thought this captured somebody who has lots of issues is like very relatable and towards the end there I I know I've already said it but like it it felt like he was close to committing suicide Um, oh yes if nothing else just completely ready to die from exposure out in the middle of the night in um, Central Park or wherever 
Yeah. I haven't... Like... Oh, man. So, I've been in a, more situations than I would want to where people around me have kind of been in this what seems to be what Holden has gone through towards the end and it is the scariest thing. Um, thankfully they're okay and I check up on them, but they're, Oh man, it it was just like the scariest thing. And that reading that in, in this book towards the end, like it, it did make me cry. Like I thought, Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Like it was, um, it's it's some heavy stuff towards yes, the end. Positively. Uh, but to answer your question, um, I did really enjoy the way this book was written. And I think that it is great that it was written in such a different time, you know, 200 years ago or whenever this book came out. Um, when you were talking about the stigma around um, the mental health and all that kind of stuff like that. But I got to say... From the actual book that came out not 200 years ago, but Crime and Punishment came out in the 1860s, I think. And I'm not saying that we got to compare them and say which one did it better than the other. But as you say, you had a lot of um, perhaps reminiscent memories while reading through Catcher in the Rye here. I would say that I absolutely felt I related to um, the plight of Raskolnikov in specific scenarios through that book a lot more than I did Holden, but I still really enjoyed how the whole thing was written out, you know? His narration style is just crazy. It's all over the place. It's cynical. um, And towards the end, you kind of see how he slowly... um, He calls himself a madman, all throughout the novel, but towards really the end, I, I, I truly believe he thinks he's a madman. Uh, I have, like, a few more things to touch up on. I think this one, sure. it's... Okay, so, in Catcher in the Rye, there's a lot of ambiguity, ambig- ambiguous things going on, right? Yes. Uh, one of the biggest things being Mr. Don't Antolini. Antolini. Yep. Um, Man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's both make as much noise as we can at the same time. Oh, okay. man. All right. Mr. Antolini. So I thought it was really interesting that he didn't turn out to be a completely, you know, good character who's black and white. Because, right. you know, Holden it seems like, oh, he's finally getting this lecture that he needed and this life advice from From a respectable guy. From a respectable guy, right. And then, I I don't know, like, Salinger, I feel like he just likes to pull on our strings because it's like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't trust this adult who just gave Holden the best advice he's received in the book. And I think it's super interesting uh, because the whole book, the ending and everything just has so much open-endedness to it. Uh, And Antolini plays a huge part in that. It's... really too bad that he had to undercut such i mean literally the only thing holden listened to in the entire book by uh patting him on the head yep i don't when once again it's a harmless enough gesture we talked about how holden was pretty much doing the same thing watching phoebe sleep you know oh you know kids look so cute when they're sleeping not a care in the world you know they don't sleep with their mouths open he didn't go over and pat her on the head or anything like that, but we see what is probably, I mean, Antolini could potentially be, you know, seeing a younger version of himself and Holden down to a T mm-hmm. to all the way to him. I mean, you know, Holden's clearly not carefree, but compared to Antolini, who's to say that he's not, you know what I mean? Or who's to say Antolini doesn't think so anyway, when he watches him just asleep on the couch there and then he gives him a little pat on the head 
And it is very funny, you know. I don't think that there's a whole lot of completely funny instances in this book. Maybe on the surface, but when you kind of dig into them, I think that kind of detracts from it when you really get to thinking about where something comes from. But it is really funny that he pats him on the head and then Holden gets up and he's clearly uncomfortable. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but when he's like, uh, Antolini's like, huh, bit of a weirdo, huh? <laughs> oh, you didn't like that, huh? <laughs> Gosh, you were just, your parents were right about you. You are a strange boy. <laughs> uh, but that's the worst part because it gives so much, uh, you know, questions. What are we supposed to make of it? Yep. Yeah, and... Ridiculous. It, it's. I think it's Salinger's way of saying um, the adult world isn't going to be as uh you know rainbows and butterflies as much as we want it to be with his advice and everything perfect metaphor uh, not quite so black and white there isn't this there isn't this sea of horrible characters the cab drivers old maurice you know the egotistical ernie stradlater and ackley only to be led up to this perfect you know light in uh light in darkness with Antolini because of course like we were saying Holden's interested Antolini's giving him some good advice but he's still I mean right at the end right after everything just goes well and Holden's finally per perhaps on the right track like you said we're just shown that even though we have no idea what it means, it's still completely undercut. And mm -hmm. Holden, who's to say he won't completely forget that device or advice because it was the real standout of the night. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, uh, I didn't even want to talk great. about it. Yeah, right? He's like, this is... I mean, I had to talk about this part to talk, to the, uh, talk about this part, but who's to say that now he's not like... That all sounded pretty good when he was saying it but now that i know he's a complete weirdo i won't bother reading any books about how to embiggen my brain yeah yeah i don't know it's um the the more i think about it it's just and so i i like to read up on this stuff and it seems to be like so split too um as far as like his intentions but everyone right it, I think uh, it's pretty agreed upon that. That he was the, definitely patting him on the head in his sleep. We can all agree <laughs> upon that. Yes. And the addition of Mr. Antolini just gives even more, you know, questions. And the final topic I have um, is the ending. So... Which is the most open-ended question. My. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, so, yeah, I kind of miss everyone, but uh, whatever. Uh, yep. Um, so do you think Holden uh, went to college and did all this thing, all, all these things he would say he would do? Oh. Um, wow. Do you think he, you know kind of accepted growing up and all this other stuff or do you think that's he really, kind of reverted back to his old ways it's really funny because i have not thought about this at all um but i can imagine that like i was saying it's a little it's easier said than done to just swallow the pill of growing up accepting this you know when you know stuff happens and that's just the way it goes that's obviously life you know i'm not really i assume i'm not blowing anyone's mind by saying that <laughs> but um i would hope that since holden was in such an awkward adolescent stage i would hope that at some point he was able to accept being an adult maybe it did literally take living on his own you know he doesn't have these teachers always giving him crap for bad grades and he doesn't have the weird roommates you know maybe he uh maybe when he was actually able to be in his own free space without the burden of his parents finding out that he skipped school and bumping into this you know real rude guy that uh he'd met one time before at the bar you know yada 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 blah 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 perhaps um him being able to work at his own pace would hopefully give him the ability to 
accept adulthood and just um, even out a little bit. But, you know, honestly, like you said, it is so open-ended because he's literally like, might go to college. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I kind of miss old Maurice a little too. Yeah. Uh, that was particularly strange too. But uh, once again, um, perhaps, you know, even though it was such a strange time when he was 16 looking back on it, he's still like, oh, yeah, I remember back when I was your age. <laughs> <laughs> I really struggled back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he's still like, ah. Oh. I remember when old Maurice caught me with that right hook right in the gut. Yeah. Them was the days. Uh, yeah, you might have heard of my book. I guess it's pretty big these days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But honestly. How about you? Yeah. Here, here we go. I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect that it's open-ended because. It's a metaphor. You, what, what kind of? I think it's oh, okay. Uh, maybe I'm digging a bit deep here. I don't. But, I, I didn't. Mean, I don't mean to step on your. I don't mean to go stepping on your uh, stuff here. So go ahead. I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a discussion. Okay. Um, yeah, but, it is, you're right. Uh, so obviously, Holden's hinted at uh, accepting him growing up, himself growing up. Um, and the fact that he leaves it open-ended, I think, is perfect because, well, for any adolescent that's going to read this, I think it gives them a little bit of confidence that, hey, if Holden went through this, I can go through it. Uh, the future is open-ended, right? You know, it's a Mad Lib book, whatever. I'm going to fill in the blanks as I if go. I, if I may... Um, I've been rewatching Game of Thrones lately, and, uh, Tyrion Lannister has a very nice quote where he says, uh, you know, death is so final, but life is full of possibilities, and I truly think that that is a very nice way to look at things. Yeah, yeah, for sure, like, um, I definitely had that lost feeling, uh, I still do, like, where do I go from here? Sure. Uh... But in high school, I had that, um, and one teacher, it just took one teacher, and he said, you know, you're going to feel lost at some point in your life, but you'll, you'll always find your way. And, you know, as a 17, 18-year-old, that helped a lot, that this guy that you know, has a job. That was pretty crazy to me. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he just said, you know, at one point he was lost. I think that helps a lot. And the fact that Holden has gone through so much, he, you know, he came out of it bruised, but he came out of it alive. And for a while there, I didn't think he was, um, I think that gives a lot of people hope even, uh, Wonderful. even, even more so if you are like a teenager, but I mean, even as a, uh, semi adult, I don't want to say I'm an adult. That's just too crazy. Yeah, I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to grow up. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, that, that just, uh, helps me out a lot. So, and, and that, that was the final thing I wanted to discuss unless you had any. Any uh, pointers you had specifically? I think it is very interesting. Like I said, I feel like I've been dragging more of my personal life philosophy into this episode than any other one. But I, it's it's things that I think about a lot. You know, I'm a thinky guy. I got thoughts going up in the old noggin. Um, <laughs> but I think it's particularly interesting how you put that there because... Um, it's really hard to look outside of yourself, you know, when you see everyone on the surface, this guy's got a nice car, he's got a cool job, he doesn't have a care in the world, but you do realize that, I mean, everyone is human, so if you've gone through some struggles at some point, it really, not only is it bold, but I think it's unfair to assume that this other person, even though they look so prim and, you know, they got the nice haircut and everything, that they've never gone through the same exact thing. And, of course, hearing it right from them can really put things in perspective instead of just thinking about it. Like, oh, yeah, that person over there's 
had hard times and, you know, hardships and all that kind of stuff. But, um, like I said, it, uh, it can be very nice. Or should I say, like you said, to hear it straight from someone who clearly does have their stuff together. And it's just, you know, everyone's dealing with stuff like all the time. Uh, just something to keep in mind, you know, especially 2020. So check in with your folks. Um, yeah. Hey, make sure to check in with your loved ones. Yeah, holiday season's coming up. Call not up grandma. Saying, yeah, call up grandma. Uh, probably not the best time to visit her. Um, no. But let's see. I feel like I had one more thing. Um, Captain America? Captain America. Is this America. where we get to the real discussion? <laughs> great movie. Uh, it was actually pretty great. I did enjoy it. Uh, it was just crazy. It's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. it's free, so check it out if you have yeah, the time. No reason not to, honestly. Um, yeah. But it is really funny, too. One of my favorite quotes from it was uh, when he was sitting down at that table in Italy with Bernie, and she's upset at him over something, and he goes, what do you want me to do, eat dirt? <laughs> he has some good one-liners yeah it was nice and folksy yeah oh man my favorite thing was like when he comes back to america and he goes to visit uh bernie and then she has a husband but he thinks that he can just like show up to their household and just kind of uh hang out and then both of them die (laughs) Yeah, they do. So the husband dies because of this old ex-boyfriend from uh, 50 years ago. It's just unfortunate. Yes, Uh, it really is. But I didn't mean to... I didn't mean to detract if you actually did have a final thought for us here. Ooh, I I guess I have. Well, it's related to movies, so not that far off. Do you think that a movie adaptation could ever do this novel justice um i'm not sure if we've ever discussed it on the podcast before this will be i i think maybe our like 25th episode of the whole show uh including discussions and everything so i'm 25 so i'm not entirely (laughs) sure if we've discussed this before but um i at one point in my life i read the book one flew over the cuckoo's nest and then I watched the movie afterwards <laughs> and you know like I said it ha- I don't think it's been discussed on the show before but I just I I think there's a lot of things that are just really hard to capture on the big screen especially mm-hmm. something that is so singularly character driven and it seems kind of ridiculous um okay well actually I can talk about game of thrones in a different facet here it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, the first season of the show is really good, but it's interesting, um, it's interesting reading out how the dialogue is written to tell you something compared to how it's written in the book, where the narrator of the book can just say, oh, you know, these guys are like this because a hundred years ago their great-grandfather did this, so now they're here, but in the TV show... You know, they can't just pull you aside and have some guy in a turtleneck explain stuff to you. <laughs> One character has to say to the other, Hey there, that must have been pretty awful when that thing happened to you ten years ago. Like, they need to really spell it out so people understand it. Um, so you're, you're telling me that the show would have been worse if George R.R. R. Martin had a live commentary. No, honestly? A- <laughs> well, I do wonder. Um... But no, I am saying that uh, it is with something so, like I said, Game of Thrones, half that book is based on, like, the history that took place before the series. Um, So it can't quite be explained so well compared to, like, some movie that was written to be a movie with an A, B, and C plot. You know what I mean? So I don't think with all the... uh, sidelining Holden does when he tells the story about his roommate that jumped out of a window wearing a sweater or Antolini patting his head. I just don't think that, well, I suppose that actually happened in the book compared to him sidetracking 
like we were saying, when he's talking to Phoebe, he just goes off on this whole tangent about that dude that jumped out the window. Um, I just, I don't think that it would compare well at all. Of course, it would have been incredible if it was made with Salinger, even if it wasn't a particularly nicely made adaptation. It would still be very cool to have seen um, where the brainchild ended up starring the guy that even wrote it. You know, we talked about it in the Hellbound Heart episodes, but Clive Barker wrote the novella and then directed and directed it into the movie. And I think that that would have been great to see again. But today... I mean, if you told me that the Catcher in the Rye movie was coming out this time next year, I I can't tell you I'd be particularly interested in any facet. Yeah, I'm I'd, I'm impartial. I'd be impartial about right. it. Right, I'd yeah. have to watch it. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the coolest things about it is I don't think this thing will ever get a movie adaptation because he was so protective of it. And yeah, that's it's, great. It's like one of the only, uh, like you know, top ten books, whatever that do not have a film ad- adaptation. So, I, I think the only guy that could maybe do it would be um, uh, who's the guy that did Fantastic Mr. Fox and Moonrise Kingdom. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Uh, I think he has a good shot at it. Is it because when you read the book, you particularly think of things in like a visual sense? Uh, just some of the dialogue he has in his movies, like with uh, the, especially with like Moonrise Kingdom with the kid, uh, their interactions and stuff. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of fun um, if he did that. Uh, sure. Not but... too familiar with his work. It's they're, they're good. They're they're good movies. They're all like uh, I don't know, just just comforting. I did see Isle of Dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs. Isn't that yeah. fun too? I didn't completely understand that right away. That is fun. Uh, but with that, um, I'm ready to give my final rating. If uh, if you don't have anything else to add, there, Lucas. Yeah, isn't it funny? Uh, we do these ratings, and I still never have a number in my head because I just there's so much going on that it's really hard for me to pin one down specifically myself. But without further ado, what do you think, Cole? On a scale of one to ten, this is gonna be a first for the Bad Apple Book Club. Well, uh, I'm gonna give this ten red caps out of ten. Ten red caps flipped backwards just the way he likes. Yep. Wow. I, I, uh, the more I think about this book, the more I want to read it again, dive into it again, uh, Whole think about it. Maybe. Yes. Uh, it's just, I don't think I've ever reread a book before. Uh, but oh, I could sure. see myself coming back to this over and over again whenever I have uh, not a midlife crisis, but like any time I'm like, holy crap, well, what am I doing? Well, like I was saying, as we discussed earlier, um, there's no bad time in a life for a personal crisis. So, you know, it could happen this time next week for all we know. Yes. Uh, I just liked all a lot of the themes here. I think it launched a lot of inspirations for literature and films like an unreliable narrator and like because he was the first I feel like not necessarily well kind of like an anti-hero teenager you know kind because because most books at the time seem to be like oh growing up is fine it's gonna be okay you're gonna have your social security account uh you know it's post-war it's a post-war economy everything's gonna be fine but this is probably one of the first books that was like it's okay to go through some struggles here and um everything it, it would inspire stuff from like the graduate uh the movie and like all these other things about growing up to well probably like F- Ferris Bueller. I feel like we wouldn't have that. Sure. 
Once again, if I may say to you, I really truly am getting a lot of my own personal philosophy put into this episode. Maybe it'll be interesting to listen to in a few years, but the interesting thing, you know, uh, people don't like to hear it, but um, you don't always know that everything's going to be fine. You know what I mean? I personally, I don't take comfort in, you know, reading books where right at the end they tell you everything's going to be perfectly okay because the you know the hard truth is you really don't know um yep and i think that's exactly what you're getting at there you know even with how open-ended the book is holden perfectly encapsulating the tone of the book he's like i might go do this stuff i'm not promising anything <laughs> like i guess we'll just see how i'm feeling when i get there yep uh, but that's just you... how i feel yeah but you'll start missing everybody if you yep, think about it too much. <laughs> don't tell anybody anything because you'll start missing them all. <laughs> he says that as he just wrote a whole book. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yep. Um, and one last thing I will touch on, other than saying that, like I said, I can't really rate a number on this book, but I would absolutely read it. Um, even if you don't particularly understand or enjoy, I still had a good time reading through it just because it's... Uh, it's this little vignette of interesting stories told by someone that you may or may not relate to in one way or the other. Um, but like I said, I, I see Crime and Punishment as more of my my book to pick up again in a couple of years and then completely just read it through a different, uh, different lens. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of similarities, but both uh, behemoths. As far as literature goes. Yes, absolutely. Well, Um, thank you. Thank you for being on this uh, journey and Catcher in the Rye. It was very fun. Um, I I see why it's, you know, one of the highly, highly regarded books of all time. Highest regarded books of all time. Positively. Um, And it was fun to discuss. So... And we hope you guys enjoyed it, too. Yes, absolutely. Once again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I've even said that phrase a hundred times since we started the podcast. (laughs) But um, wonderful job uh, compiling this book that was just, it's, it's a bit scattered. You got it all pressed down. And like I said, I just understand it so much more now. I, uh, haven't had it quite so much with a book since um probably like crime and punishment like every one of them has given me a new lens to look through but specifically talking through some of these you see the metaphors more when they're written side by side clearly so you just you did a great job um writing it all out and thank you for coming on this journey with me and well, everyone else. yeah it's been a it's been an honor yep um and so i suppose a few final thoughts here. Uh, Instagram, at the Bad Apple Book Club. We still have a few shirts left. Um, just in time for Christmas, get in touch with either two of us or whatever if you're interested in something like that. And uh, be sure to come back this time next week for part one of our series covering the Raw Doll classic, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I I must be about halfway through the book right now, and I won't give too much away, but I am very excited to discuss this one because it is completely different than what I expected uh, before I even got into the first five pages of it. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so that'll just titillate everyone a bit, perhaps. Yeah, keep you coming back for more, like, chocolate. It's addicting. Mm. <laughs> like a bar of Wonka's uh, Double Whipple Fudge Delight. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. Yep. Wonka um, candy is my favorite candy. I love, like, nerds oh, and all those things. So Never-ending jawbreakers. Bubblegum that doesn't lose its flavor. Um, yeah. Well, well, you know what? Um, if that's all there is to say, um, like I said, same time, same place next week, everyone. And uh, I, I learned a bit of French from a song, 
that I've been listening to quite a bit lately. So I'll tell everyone goodbye and bon après midi. As in, wait, what was that? Well, you gotta find out yourself, pal. Okay, escargot. What? <laughs> well, now I've heard everything. Alrighty, everyone. Good night. Tschüss. Trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know, oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>